this episode of The Interface, I speak with Efosa Amorige, distribution analyst with the Amphenol Industrial Products Group. Efosa has been with Amphenol for a few years and is now working out of Florida. We talk about his role with the AIPG distribution team and how he's helped to streamline the reporting since he began. We talk about his daunting task of trying to decipher Amphenol's part numbers and how it's gotten easier as time goes on. We talk about his diverse educational background growing up in Nigeria and how his family encouraged he and his siblings to explore their own paths no matter where it took them around the world. And we talk about his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. Well, it is good to see you. I know you and I worked in the same office for probably a couple of years. I didn't talk to you mm-hmm. a heck of a lot. Um, I know oh. you're with D often and, yeah. and um, you know, we go about our own business. But uh, mm-hmm. how has the last year, 15 months or so been for you? Um, I know moving out of Sydney and now moving down to Florida, but what's it been like from a work perspective for you? I mean, it's been work-wise, my job-wise, it's been pretty much the same. It's just the cultural differences in like, you know, you, you, you have a set schedule where it's, you know, you go to work in the morning, you come back in the evening, you have other stuff to do, but now it's like, oh, and it's, you see the same faces pretty much. It's the same building, you're in the same house. It's like it's 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 it was a little bit at first it was you know difficult to adjust but as time progressed I kind of got used to it. You just have a lot more Zoom meetings and yeah. a lot of phone calls asking questions. You know, I was supposed to say, oh, walk over to AAO and ask Autumn or Katie, how do I do blah blah blah. But now it's like phone calls and emails and. So it's 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 been different. And just just so people know, what is your job title, and and who do you work for, and 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 what do you do on a on a typical day to day, month to month basis? So I work for D D Fula, which I think she's the best boss in the world, by the way. <laughs> we'll have to let her make sure she listens to this now. <laughs> she. Uh, She's she's the director of um, distribution for North America for AIPG. Mm-hmm. I work for her. I'm a distribution specialist. Now, what I do, I do a lot of analysis, like data analysis, because we get AIPG is pretty big. It's not just mm-hmm. the one. It's a group. We have 14 different divisions. We have some in in Europe. We have some in Asia. So I get reports pretty much from everybody. And I make the numbers make sense every month. So it's a lot of like back and forth with the distributors, the divisions, making sure my numbers make sense because eventually this goes up all the way to corporate. When you do that analysis on, on a regular basis, how soon or um, what was the first time where you, I don't want to say caught something, but found something that really made a difference as far as maybe where the business was going to go from a distribution standpoint, you know, with D and with others. So we made a very, very huge change, which, you know, when D mentioned it to me the first time, I was like, this is going to be huge. So what she did pretty much was have, now we used to get reports where you have, we have 14 different divisions. AIO is the biggest, obviously like it's about 80% of the business. Mm-hmm. So we, we allocated numbers based off of each division size. Right. 
Now, what they wanted to do was, you know, break this down and get more accurate numbers. She had all of these different divisions from Europe and Asia send the numbers into Sydney, and then we get the raw data when it's, you know, it's been processed by autumn. I get the data and then I break this down. We started that in, I think, August of 2019. It was a huge, huge task for about the first, I think, three to four months. There was a lot of back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, do this make sense at this? What, you know, you've, and it's like looking at different divisions. I have this number for you. Is this what you've been used to saying before this process? And it was eventually pretty much very successful. I think that's the biggest, was the biggest aha moment for me. It's like, yeah. you know, having, having a centralized system of reporting. So now we get everything, do what we want. It's one system, break it down and then give each division their own report so it's it's pretty much synchronized yeah and that's i'm sure it's always a good feeling when you when you work a project that big and it it, it comes to fruition yeah yeah how much do you get to work with the distributors themselves pretty often yes so with the distributors it's it's mostly dealing with like part numbers most of the time, that's pretty much what it is, making sure the part numbers are correct. Because AIO, for example, has a very million parts. Mm-hmm. I'm taking really huge Excel files, and I'm getting this, you know, on a monthly basis, for example, we have databases that we have to maintain. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to give LTWs. LTW is, a, is an unknown division in, in Asia. You don't want to give the products to a different division. So it's like going back to this distributors to say, I have X, X, X number of parts for X amount of dollars between so and so month. Are these part numbers correct? That's pretty much what I do with the, uh, the distributors. Also with inventory, I do a lot of inventory back and forth with them too. How much of a challenge has it been for you to learn <laughs> what the parts are, what the part numbers are? Is it is it something you have to work on constantly? Yes, I do. And it's kind of nice because now I can look at the first three, four numbers and I'm right. like, oh, that belongs to Anytech or that belongs to PCD. But my first few months, because I I had to learn this on the fly. Yeah. You know, D traveled a lot. She travels a lot. And we were constantly on the phone, sending emails. I tell her from time to time, I say, D, do you remember when, you know, I'm giving you phone calls here at the airport? She laughs and she goes, oh, yes. So dealing with the part, Chris Franz also helped me a lot with that. Yep. Dealing with the part numbers initially was a little bit challenging. I'm like, you know, how am I going to do all of this stuff? This looks really strange. But the one thing is I'm somebody who likes challenges. And when I tell people this, they find it kind of like, oh, really? I have worked in human resources. Mm-hmm. I've worked in learning and development in the banking sector. I have a a diploma degree in drilling technology. I mean, actually drilling crude oil from the sea and like, you know, land-based drilling. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm i a pretty much diverse kind of person. I find things, if I find something that interests me, I think I pretty much stand up to the challenge. And then I keep going until it, it fully makes sense. And they, they told me back then, she said, you just keep doing this. And the one day it's going to be like, ah, now it's all sense. And she was absolutely spot on. Yeah, it, it is daunting when you hear, like you said, just with AIO alone, you have a million different potential part numbers. You're like, how am I ever 
going to learn all of this stuff. But you're right in that it's it's not learning a million part numbers. You start to see patterns. You start to see trends. You'll start to identify, okay, this goes here, that goes there. And you can sort that out very, very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And I get it. It is a challenge. And I could see why that would be a, a fun challenge for you. Yeah. I, I I used to be really amazed when I hear Chris Ferns talking on the phone and he's like, C10 dash, he just keeps spitting his number. Yeah. Like, How do you do that, Chris? He's, he's, he's been there for over 20, 20 plus years. So right. if you do something that long, it's going to be a part and parcel of you. But yeah, it's 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 a very interesting, interesting job. Yeah, you, you just said you have a very diverse background. You're in HR, you've been in banking. Um, mm-hmm. You have a, a diplomatic degree in drilling. I mean, you've done a, yeah. a bunch of different things over the years. How did you get involved with this, being a distribution analyst for the industrial products group at Amphenol? <laughs> so I have a bachelor's in sociology, which, you know, it's so far away from yeah. all of this. Doing You're not the only one in, in Amphenol, by the way, who has that. Yeah. Correct. Sociology is a pretty, pretty vast, you know, it's a vast cost. I have a bachelor's in sociology. I have a diploma in business administration from London Academy Business School. Now, when I graduated from college in 2011, I got into the bank, but my dad wanted me to work with him because he owned an oil drilling company. Like he, 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 he was with Schlumberger mm-hmm. for 30 years. Thomas Blisnik, I think, knows him. I'm not sure, but I think so. Yeah. He, he, he walked in Nigeria for, for a short time. So he made me do this course where it's like they teach you about drilling. Yeah. Like drilling oil from the ground. It's, they have they have this school in Abu Dhabi. It's in the Middle East. Yeah. So that's where I went and I did all of this stuff. But, you know, my sisters were like, you're not you're not going to do that. You know, it, 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 it can be dangerous. Yeah. But at the same time, it's interesting because you get on like these helicopters, you go deep in the sea, yeah. on these drilling platforms. It was really nice, but I, I really didn't go with that. I stayed with banking. And then after some time, I got in HRO, and then I was in uh, learning and development. So how did you get to Amphenol then, into this current so, role? So I traveled with my dad a lot. He, uh, we took trips to Canada, the U.S., after some time, I decided I wanted to stay just like my sister did. She decided she wanted to stay in London. She's in the UK now. So I stayed in the US. And then I think I was going through these job openings and then Anfinal came up. I already had an offer from a bank because I had like the banking. Ex- I had mm-hmm. two offers from two different banks and then one from Aqua Brands. I think it's in Sydney too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Aqua Brands is in Sydney. So. Uh, I got an email from Anna saying, you know, come up for an interview. And then I came up. What really caught my attention, though, was just hearing this speak. She has so much wealth of knowledge just about the company and what she does and all of the processes and all of the wonderful stuff that has been produced from the Sydney facility. And I'm like, oh, I think this is somebody I want to learn from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That pretty much sealed it for me. Yeah, I mean that's it's a great story. It's on a long journey too. Now you come, you're originally from Nigeria, correct? Absolutely, yes. Yes. So, so tell me about that. Like, how long did you you were born and raised there, and came mm-hmm. here later after after college? So, what was it like growing up there for 
you know, it's probably a lot of people listening to this just because we're, you know, a, a diverse company that probably don't mm-hmm. know a heck of a lot about Nigeria, myself included. Um, That's so, absolutely true. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell me about that. It's a lot of times when people, I, I end up correcting a lot of people, they say, well, you're from Africa. I'm like, no, Africa has 54 countries. <laughs> you don't say you're from Africa. You have the West, the North, the East, you have right. the South. I'm from West Africa, Nigeria specifically. Like, oh, okay, that's nice. What, you know? Well, it growing up was it was uh, it was nice. Now, moving to the U.S., there was a little bit of like cultural changes, and I wouldn't say cultural shock. For example, you know, like your your work offices, people aren't as I want to say communal in Nigeria. Growing up, going to college and you know, working the job that I did down there, it's the more interactive, like, you know, it's interaction, the bond is a lot more, you know, it's it's different as opposed to the US, which, you know, it took me some time before I eventually kind of, oh, you know, it's just different people and mm-hmm. different thing. But yeah, no, it was it was nice. It's it's it, the weather is tropical. Like I said, cold for me growing up at like 60, 65. <laughs> Remember the first time I saw negative 18, I could not believe it. That's That yeah. would certainly be a shock. But uh, mm-hmm. so were you in uh, a, a city environment like, like Lagos or were you somewhere outside uh, in more of a, a yes. rural area? I was in Lagos. Okay, Lagos, Lagos. Excuse me. I said it wrong. Oh, no, that's fine. It's okay. A lot of people call it Lagos. That's fine. So you were in more of an urban environment there then? Correct, yes. Yeah. So it's Lagos is similar to like Miami kind of because it's got a lot of like sea beaches and all that fun stuff. It's, yeah. it's a very, very busy place. I think it's the most populated in Africa, about 24 million people. Wow. Yeah. And it's tiny. Yeah. It's tiny too. It's right on the, the ocean, right? It's right on the, yes. the, the coast of, of Nigeria. Yes. So yes. I, I do know that much. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like the New York City of Africa, pretty much. Yeah. You talked about how it sounds like your parents were very encouraging, especially your father, to mm-hmm. get out, travel, see things. You mentioned how your sister ended up in the UK. Uh, you decided to come to the US. Was that a was that a conscious decision um by your family to expose you to this, or it was just kind of a natural part of how you guys were were raised? I think it was more like a natural path. My 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 dad did he traveled a lot mm-hmm. working for Shlumbiji. I'm not sure if you know Shlumbiji is like I do. Uh, yeah, I know them. Yeah, yeah. I have a, a friend, a close so, friend of mine who worked for them for a while. Yep. Correct. So and he was the personnel manager for about 18, 19 years, I believe. So he did a lot of traveling. And sometimes he took us along, you know, just to like get you exposed, show you stuff. And I just, you know found an interest in that, oh, okay, you don't have to be stuck somewhere. You can actually go travel, explore, see different stuff. And that was it for me. And I chose the U.S. because New York City was just like a melting pot of different cultures. And, right. you know, I, I I always say this. I said, the one day I got hungry, I was walking down through Brooklyn. I got hungry. And after walking for like two minutes, I, stop, I stopped at the first restaurant. I just walked in. And I was like, where are you guys from? She goes, uh, just, we're from Uzbekistan. I'm like, that, that's what I mean. You know, you have so much different people. Yeah. And it was, 
It was pretty interesting. What do you think that that desire to uh, uh, learn new things and try out new cultures and even, you know, try out Uzbekis, you know, food from Uzbekistan and, and mm-hmm. things like that, how much do you think that's helped you both personally and, and professionally in, in your career, um, being able to be comfortable in different types of situations, um, especially, you know, moving from you know, Nigeria and West Africa, but Mm -hmm. going to Europe, going to the U.S., going to Canada. How much do you think that's helped you out? I would say it's helped me pretty much a lot. I think it's it's really helped a lot. And I would attribute that to my upbringing. My brothers are the same way. My sisters are the same way. I have a brother who studied geology. He just stopped, you know, got out from school, walked for about two years, stopped completely. Now he's he's got his own finance financial company. Wow. I think it's the way, really, I think it's the way we were raised. I have an architect, you know, a brother who's who's an architect, same thing, stopped and now it's doing something else. We we just weren't really, you know, you have families where you're molded. It's like, you know, we want you to be a doctor, you have to be a doctor, we want you to be a lawyer, we pay for mm-hmm. your school fees, you have to be. But for us, we weren't really brought up that way. It's like they pretty much laid everything on the table, you know, go do what you want. So growing up in that kind of environment, you just, you're like, well, I could do this, I could do that. And then you're, you're constantly testing different stuff. It's really helped me professionally. Because I'm not going to lie, the first few months at Anfinal, I was like, can I really do this? You know, it's just <laughs> so different. Like, yeah. you know, we're talking pot numbers and, you know, those terminologies I haven't really heard of. So it took me a few months and then just like something clicks. It all just finally made sense. You know, it's very interesting listening to your personal story with you and your family and how you guys were clearly encouraged, you and your brothers and sisters, to to find your own path and don't be afraid mm-hmm. to try new things. I, I hate to do this because, uh, because you know, some it's just, to me, it's so obvious, though, in in connecting this back to Amphenol for just a second, it's, yeah. it's almost perfect that you're part of this company because this company encourages that exact same type of growth and development in a personal, or excuse me, in a professional career, and that you're not mm-hmm. stuck in just this track and you have to go to this step and then this step and this step. You can do whatever you want. You want to try something else and try something else. If you want to try a third thing, try something else. If you want to take on a big project or a big task, go ahead. Uh, you know, as long yep. as you could build a business case for it, everyone's going to encourage you and no one's really going to stand in your way. It's kind of uh, appropriate that you ended up with a company like Amphenol as I listen to your story. Yep, absolutely. That's why I say this story, they had me sold. When she said she started from customer service, she's been on the floor, she's yeah. run machines. And I'm like, yep, that's somebody who's been through, you know, you start from the grassroots, you understand the company inside and outside. Mm-hmm. This is somebody I definitely want to learn from. So now you're you're not obviously in Sydney anymore. Unfortunately, uh, the the industrial group moved out <laughs> once COVID kicked in. I'm sure that was a little disappointing for you. It was. Uh, yeah. I really, I did like the, I, I liked working in Sydney. And now you moved down to Florida, still doing the same job. So what's, Correct. how is it uh, living in Florida now? 
what's the besides the obvious of you know weather and and how it looks and feels there what's been the big difference for you moving to Gainesville Florida I mean pretty much it's just the weather I think yeah I'm constantly at home doing walk you know walk related stuff when I'm not doing that we have a lot of packs around here when I'm not doing that sometimes I go to the pack for, for a few minutes hours and then I get back in it's been nice it's been nice I think it's been nice I have good neighbors I would say that yeah so yeah, do you so what do you like to do then in your on your free time when you're not working since you've been there like I just said they have packs and then it's like they have lots of alligators I take drives long drives <laughs> on the weekends yeah. drives on the weekend I have been to um Labelle I'm not sure if you know where that is no yeah, it's, it's about, I think, three hours from here. I, I take a lot of long drives, scenic ones too. Yeah. I, I like the back roads. That's what I think I miss the most moving from upstate New York, the roads. The back roads are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a very good point, especially certain times of the year when the scenery mm-hmm. is changing. Yep. Uh, it, can be, it can be very beautiful. Um, but this, the, the six months of winter gets a little old. So... I like to end these podcasts with, you know, we're going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Okay. As we, Mm -hmm. as we wrap up here. So if I stick you on a desert Island by yourself and I allow you to bring with you one album, one book and one movie. All right. We'll start with an album or if you want to pick a musical artist, it's fine. But if you have one album, which album would you bring with you? Can I go with an artist instead? Sure, you can. I'll probably take Jay-Z. Okay. Yeah. Is there any particular uh, song by Jay-Z? I would say my favorite. G- okay, I could pick a Jay-Z album. has to be Reasonable Doubt. It was released in 1996, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. One of the early ones. Mm-hmm. I yeah. pretty much like every single track on that album. Okay. It's, it's difficult to pick and choose. <laughs> uh, for a book, I would go with kind of hard to choose from. It is because what do you go? Do you go like you know a survival guide for while you're on an island, or do you go with something that's, that's going to entertain you, or something that's inspirational, right? That's what I'm thinking of. I'm I'm kind of caught in between. I like Robert Ludlum a lot. His books are very intriguing. Uh, I'd probably go with the Icarus Agenda. It's a book by Robert Ludlum. Okay. Robert Ludlum, who also did, people probably know more for the Bourne Identity and the Bourne movies. He wrote all yes. those. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Icarus Agenda. Okay. And then finally, how about a movie? Ah, Shawshank Redemption. I ah, watch it okay. The ultimate feel-good movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though it's set in a prison and there's some weird, uncomfortable <laughs> scenes in there from time to time, it's still that's it's true. it's one of the great movies. You're right. Anytime you turn on the TV and that's on, you're like, well, I guess I'm stuck for a couple hours here. Mm-hmm. I, I, forget yep. forget going out and getting groceries. I got to finish watching <laughs> this. <laughs> well, listen, Afosa, thank you very much for deciding to do this today. Uh, I appreciate. Thank you to Martin Hartman for suggesting you. Glad to see you again. Uh, thank one you. one final thing is. I actually think you left your teapot here. Remember your electric really? teapot? Yeah. It's yeah. still sitting over here in the in the little kitchenette area in Sydney. No, I, I, I actually got it for the fly. I got it for everybody, actually. Oh, well then, 
there we go. I'll have to tell people that uh, <laughs> that, that it's a community teapot now. How about that? Uh-huh. Yep, you can do that. That's absolutely fine. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you.